CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective. Also, what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? And quite often it isn't. We just want to encourage you to give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. I've got some lines open, and so you're assured to get on if you call right now. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, comes on about an hour before to every man and answer, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, OC, Orange County, down by San Clemente. Hi and welcome. Hey, Mike, great to be here with you. Aloha, and uh, man, looking forward to the program today. I, I see your nice little Hawaiian flag in the background there. It it's, is represented. There it is. I wanted you to know we're connected. I just want there we to we feel the we feel the kinetic vibes. There okay. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, John, what are you teaching on Sunday morning? Well, thanks for thank you for asking. We just started. I don't you know you don't necessarily time this out, Mike. Sometimes it just happens. You end a book and you end two books at the same time. I couldn't have planned it. But we did. So consequently, Wednesday nights, we just started the book of Galatians. We'll be there tonight in the first chapter going into the second chapter. And then on Sunday mornings, we just completed Romans. Now we have started the gospel according to Matthew. So excited for um what's going on there uh, Wednesday night, Sunday mornings. And it's been a blessing. Amen. What a wonderful blessing it is. And so, uh, John, we look forward to it. If you're in the Southern California area, I know we'd like to see you. Be sure to tell him that you listen. To him on CSN, so important. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Antoinette on in Palm Springs, California. Hi, and welcome. Hello, pastors. I'm here to request a prayer for myself and my teenage 16-year-old son. It was um, a year that my husband passed away, and um, we've been struggling, and we've had issues with church and he's been betrayed in several churches. And just after his dad died, he was saying, where's my iron that sharpens iron? And uh, he's basically just just turning us back on God because of everything. And then losing his dad was the catalyst. So sure. I'm struggling, you know, keeping my faith. I'm reading and Pastor John, you've been a real encouragement to me, and of course, always you, um, Pastor, as well. And uh, we, we've we listened to Tima together, and Jace has even, even called in himself to ask questions, and he always had such a heart of God, so it's really heartbreaking for me. Well, tell Jason that uh, my heart goes out to him. Tell him I understand what it's like in life to be disappointed with God and to sometimes be a little disillusioned. But remember this, this too will pass, and God will see him through. And uh, 
you know, it, it's so important in these days that we live in to not let circumstances around us. You know, the Bible talks about uh, God giving us um, uh, peace. I give unto you, not the way the world gives. Peace means that no matter how bad it gets, I still know that God's got it under control. And though it's discomforting to me sometimes and very uncomfortable, I know that God's going to see us through. And he will, does, and has promised to do so. Your thought, John? Well, I would also add to that, you know, uh, to your son, Antoinette, that I also lost my father a few years ago to cancer, uh, as far as I'm concerned, far too early. One of the godliest men I ever knew, and I know that I'll see him again. And I remember the grief, uh, even as an adult, um, struggling with that and, and going through that. And there's certain things that just people can't understand. Sometimes they say, I understand, but, but they don't. And, you know, they mean well. And, and I found that the source of comfort for me, for my family, um, was the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send you a comforter. He will come alongside you. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. He'll remind you of all the things that I've told you. And, and you know, grief is a, especially as a young man, it's, it's a, it's a difficult road, but I know that uh, your son, as well as you, Antoinette, you don't have to walk it alone. The Lord wants to be there with you to be your comfort. And we would be honored to pray for you. And I would say to your son, if he's listening, listen, young man, do not turn your back on Jesus. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Don't buy into the lies of the devil that would lead you astray. God has a plan. He wants to use this in your life for good. And he can, if you allow him to do that. And so I would encourage you along those lines. And uh, we'd love to pray for you today. Go ahead, John. Let's pray for him. Yeah. Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, your word says that you are a man who is acquainted with sorrow and you know what it is to grieve, Lord. It says in John's gospel that you even wept over the death of a friend. And so, Lord, we lift up Antoinette and her son today. Lord, specifically her son, I pray, Lord, that he would hear this and he would respond and he would not turn from you, but turn toward you. And Lord, that you would strengthen him and comfort him and remind him, Lord, that there is going to be a glorious reunion one day when we're going to see you and we're going to see the loved ones who are already there in a place, Lord, where we long to be, a place of no more, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more pain. The former things have passed away. So Lord, I do pray for my little brother in Christ today, Lord, that you'd strengthen him, remind him, Lord, that yes, you have God. a plan in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and you know, Antoinette, you're not that far from uh, John's church, so you guys ought to ought to make a Sunday morning of it and come over and 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 visit. I know that uh, I know John would really like to see you and your son. Uh, I I'm really trying to convince him to come with. Right now, things are so financially because we lost our income. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And- and wow. haven't worked in 14 years, and we have no one to come along to walk mm-hmm. beside us, which makes him his faith even weaker. You know what I mean? I'm, sure. I'm standing firm, but I'm also discouraged by the body. So, anyways, mm-hmm. but I know I know my Lord has brought me through before, and I know that he's faithful, and so I'm just standing in the gap for him. Well, there's a couple churches out there uh, I know uh, John knows that are pretty good. And if you will uh, stay on the line, I want to send you some books, some DVDs and all, uh, Movie Jesus. But uh, also uh, I can maybe have uh, some one of John's um, 
uh, people at his fellowship uh, uh, give you some possible places to go visit that maybe it's a good, better fit. Okay? Yes. Uh, thank you. And Lord, we pray for you too, that the Lord did just lift your heart. Lord, may you bring her through this. Lord, the valley of the shadow of death that David talked about is a real place. Mm -hmm. But we know that you will bring us through because you're good and your mercy endures forever. And so, Lord, may you bless them, her, restore them, Jesus. Amen. And so that's our prayer, dear. And I know that God's got great things for you and him. And so we'll uh, try to see if we can uh, fix you up with some places you might enjoy. Okay? Thank you. God bless you. And um, if if, uh, your son needs us, hey, we're here. Every weekday afternoon, have him call us. Thank you. Let's go to Barry in Columbia, South Carolina. I welcome. Hello, Mike. Uh, My question is this. Uh, That little hat the Jewish men wear on their head, uh, why do they wear it? And how long have they been doing this? Have they been doing it since Christ's time? Yeah, you see it. You see it a lot. Um, uh, Your thoughts? Well, you know, the, they call it, you know, the yarmulke or the kippah, uh, as they call it. And when you go over to Israel, you'll see a lot of those guys, especially the Orthodox, wearing it uh, quite often. If you go to the Western Wall, for example, if you're a visitor, you cannot approach the wall unless you have uh, your head covered. It was a sign of of respect for God and acknowledging that God is above you. And it was actually something that was started um Quite some time ago, I think the first reference to it is in what they call the the 24th chapter, one of the 12 books of the Mishnah, which deals with Jewish festivals. And this was, no, I don't know that anybody really knows the origin of it, but uh, that I'm aware of, but this is something that even today, they wear it in an act of respect for God. They cover their heads. And by the way, when you go to the Western Wall, and if you don't have anything, they have almost looks like a... I would say a French fry, I think you put on top of your hat or, or they have these keepers you can borrow and you can go up and, and write your prayers and put it in the wall. But it was basically a sign of of respect that was developed um, early on in Jewish tradition and has continued even to the present time. Yeah. And you'll see it oftentimes even in in movies. They'll 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 continue to do that. But r- recognizing it was type of a type of physical um, as we realize that God is our covering, this was a symbolic gesture to, uh, and, and we also even find it a little bit over into the, the women, uh, that we find there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, where their, uh, head is covered. Now, again, it says it was a custom. It doesn't say that, uh, it's a law, but it's a custom. Uh, and it's to signify that the woman is under her husband covering and that when a man wears it, he's under the covering again of God, just as you said. So, um, yeah, that's what the little yamaka is about. I've been to Israel and they have them there for you. And, um, otherwise, uh, you're, you're showing disrespect by not having it on. Hope that helps. It does. Thank you. Even the men here around here, you see some of them wearing them around here, you know. Yes, yes, you, you do. And and so um, I have seen people um, with Jewish background that are believers wearing them as well. 
So just because they have one on doesn't mean they have rejected Christ as Savior and adhering to the Old Testament uh, Judaic law. But actually, uh, I've seen both wear that. Um, it, it is not so much, again, on the outside that God looks at. It's on the inside. And I know some people feel um, more, you know, if they if they have something like that on, but it, it really doesn't add anything to a person's spirituality. Um, but I, I believe the idea is that to remind others that your covering is God. So anyway, Barry, stay online, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy them in the movie Jesus, okay? Okay, but you don't have to send them. You've already sent them to me. I've called in before, and I got them, and I watch okay, them, and good. I share with them. Thank you, though. Wonderful. We'll use them for evangelism. They're a very good tool. God bless you. Let's go to Diane, Bend, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi. I have a genealogy question. Um, in Matthew 1 and by Matthew 16, it ends up telling about Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Yes. But is is that because he counts as his stepfather, not his... To me, to me, it should have Mary's genealogy more than Joseph's. Well, the reason we find that is... The lineage of Joseph gave Jesus a legal right to the throne. The bloodline of Mary that we find in the book of Luke gives us the the promise that through you all the nations of the world would be blessed. And that blood lineage line is why Jesus could die for us and fulfill the promises that were made uh, going clear back to Adam and Eve. Um and so we we find that it that he would be from the lion of the tribe of Judah and so you have the blood lineage right and you have the legal right your thoughts well you know it is not the only genealogy that's recorded in the gospels of course we have Matthew's uh genealogy there in chapter 1 but we also have in Luke's gospel chapter 3 um, the genealogy as it relates to Mary. And as Mas- uh, Pastor Mike pointed out, one is through the line of Joseph. And and what you find, it's interesting because when you actually read through it, um, Matthew traces it through Joseph, the legal father, not the physical father, uh, the line of David through Solomon. But the interesting thing, Mike, is when you get to um, the name Jeconiah there in Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, it says that King Solomon's son, Jeconiah, uh, that none of his seed would sit upon the throne forever. In the midst of that, there is this curse that comes. But when you go to Mary's line, and and that's really the line, what we have is, is Jesus has the right to the throne through a different son of Solomon, Nathan. And so he comes up through that line, even where there looks like there could be a problem in the genealogy, there is no problem. He is the th- he is the heir. He is the descendant of Abraham. He is the descendant of David, and he is the son of God, thus making him the rightful heir to the throne. So it does trace through Joseph, but again, that was his earthly father, foster father, if you would. Um, he has the legal right, but he also has the royal right um, with those genealogies combined with one another. Diane, hope that helps. 
Well, thank you very much. Yes, I was I was mostly thinking bloodline, and it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, because it's important these days, you know, to people. And I so I just wondered, but that totally answers it. Thank you very much. The one thing you have to remember about God, God is an extremely by-the-book God. It isn't willy-nilly like we are today that, oh, yeah, maybe it was bad 50 years ago, but today it's accepted. No, what God says is what God means. People have asked the question, well, when the millennial reign is set up, Jesus is reigning from Jerusalem, what will the law be on this earth? I mean, is it going to be a democracy where, you know, if we we want to change what Jesus says, we'll just vote him out? Or No, no. It's going to be the Word of God. That's what we have, and that's why we have it, not only to for us to understand what makes culture culture, what makes a nation a nation, but it's what pleases God, and God will judge. And so it's really clear in the Bible that that God is a legal God. And it was through one man, we all were sold into slavery, Adam. It's through the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who is redeemed. That's why God didn't send an angel or something else, but he sent his own dear son, John 3.16. Diane Sayline will send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy them, okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. God God bless you. Thanks so much for the call, and I think you'll enjoy those and the movie Jesus. Let's go to Chuck, Oregon. I welcome. Oh, hello. I am, uh, I listen to you every day and I enjoy your program, but I hold to the historical view of revelation that it was an ongoing revelation, uh, throughout time, which I believe is the, was the dominant view of the church through the, uh, dark ages. Uh, and I, I could go, I, I only have time to, to, to go over one point. Um, on why I am a historical viewpoint. And that is from Second Peter three ten through 12, where it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the works earth also, and the works there, and shall be burned up. And seeing that these all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. And uh, to me, this doesn't sound like the world's going to be destroyed after a thousand years of peace. It, we're, we're to haste. We're look forward to and haste to the, to this day when the earth and the heavens will be on fire. Uh, how do you, I don't understand how uh, futurists uh, reconcile this. Well, first of all, I, I've always told people, the one thing will correct bad doctrine is God's word and time. Right now, whether people want to accept the book of Revelation for what it means, a futuristic book of the last days, we are rushing rapidly to a one-world government. We are ru- rushing rapidly to a one-world order, a one-world currency, a one-world religion. Just exactly what I believe the Bible says 
we find there in Revelation. That you're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark, the name, or the number on your hand or on your forehead. And the idea of buying and selling with numbers is not only a futuristic idea, it is now current reality almost around the world, and only one more hop to have it embarked upon you, either with a mark, name, or number, the book of Revelation chapter 13 says. We also see the way the world is going. And again, the ideas the preterists have come along with, with, well, it all happened in 70 AD. Well, it did not. Uh, Again, you have uh, every living thing in the sea dies. There wasn't a mark required on your, the whole world to have a mark on their hand or on their forehead. Uh, All the trees are burned up. The water turns to blood. Um, Two-thirds of the world population dies um, uh, by the end of the, the seven-year tribulation period, one quarter of it dies in the just the beginning of the first seven years. That did not happen in 70 AD, didn't happen in any other time where a quarter of the world's population dies, but it's going to. And now with the advent of man's capability of doing it or God doing it, hey, I can tell you, it, to me, it's it's very much a reality. When you have underdeveloped nations like North Korea, you have Iran building atomic weaponry when, as an example, North Korea is like the 30th poorest country on Earth, yet they're developing nuclear weapons, what, to be sold to other underdeveloped nations? See, when we realize that we're not in the world we used to be in, and I believe when you read those verses that the Lord is coming as a thief, and I believe he will take his church out. I think the problem comes in a lot of time in reading that is the same problem that people have in reading the creation story. Uh, you know, on the fifth day, God made the animal. Sixth day, he made man. On the seventh day, he rested. On the eighth day, Adam and Eve ate of the tree. On the ninth day, they got kicked out. That isn't what it says. They did get kicked out, but they could have been in the garden for many, many years, decades, maybe longer. We don't know. It doesn't say. And people a lot of times think, well, because it says that, the Lord comes as a thief, and then everything's going to burn. Eventually it will. That's the way it goes. But a lot of times they think, well, there's going to be uh, the rapture, and then everything's going to burst into flames. It's I don't believe, I think that is a summary statement. Your thoughts? Well, I think, uh, first of all, Chuck, you made a good point uh, that I'd like to just highlight, and that is that you're reading a lot of these guys that were from the Dark Ages. And I want to say to you that some of their commentary— uh, if you go back and you read some of the things they were saying, many of them could not see the nation of Israel coming together back as a nation. They didn't live to see it. And so a lot of times the way that they interpret scripture um, is they interpret it from where they were. And and Israel wasn't even a nation. Well, guess what? All that stuff they said wasn't going to happen. Israel's a nation. They're back in the land. We're seeing all of these things line up just as foretold in scripture. The other problem, uh, Mike, that you find with preterism, and that is the view of scripture and the way that they interpret Revelation, is they look at the book of Revelation, as you said, insisting that it was already completed in AD 70, but but it's in there's this inconsistent hermeneutic in translating and and really interpreting, rather, the book of Revelation. According to the Preterist, the end times, chapter 6 through 18 of Revelation, they're they're highly symbolic. 
not describing any literal events, they say. Then they'll talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. But listen, there was no destruction of sea life, uh, you know, according to Revelation 16, 3, agonizing darkness. I mean, that that didn't happen yet. So either either what God said isn't true or it's true. And it's just, as you said, a matter of time. The other problem is when they get to the end of Revelation, now they interpret it literally. But but you know, they, this is allegorical and this is not that. And the, listen, the, the Bible says what it says, and it's a matter of time um, before these things unfold. And we're seeing the signs of the time right now. They are taking place around us. And so I'd, I would be careful in, in looking just at historically these commentators who didn't live to see what we're seeing right now being fulfilled, and it line up with Scripture. And um, I believe these things are going to be fulfilled literally, as uh, the Bible says. And and really, no one has the right to willy-nilly say, oh, well, this is a, this is an illustration, or this is just a, a colorful description. It didn't really happen, or whatever. Well, then how do you know anything in the Bible is true? Right. Now, obviously, when you find something like, uh, a, you know, a beast with seven heads and ten horns, um, uh, um, I, I can tell you, I've been to a lot of zoos. I've never seen anything like that. So I know that is speaking allegorically. Yes. But when the Bible says every living thing in the sea dies, um, there's no allegory there whatsoever. It's very clear what happened. It, it's, it almost sounds unbelievable that any destruction could be that great. But again, with the advent of nuclear weapons or, again, a meteorite hitting the ocean, killing the uh, life that, that is in the ocean, the plants, the the other animals that feed off these animals, eating the rot and carcasses. It's not hard to understand how death could spread around the world very quickly. They said there's not, they said they have not found anywhere in the ocean that because of what happened in Fujima, Japan at the earthquake, that there isn't some type of nuclear radiation contamination in the fish. It's around the world. Now, that was a pretty localized thing. Now, you can imagine when you have, again, North Korea sending off their missiles. They don't really hit their target, but they do go in the ocean, blowing up there, polluting, whatever. And, you know, their their technology isn't, they don't care about dirty bombs or whatever. They're just out to kill people. Uh, you you got to realize we're in a different world than we've ever been in before. And so when I, I look at that, and again, the nation of Israel, it's interesting to read Matthew Henry's commentary on the last days, written about 1700. He says, I, it, it appears that the nation of Israel will become a nation again, but I don't see how that could ever be. But truly, it is, and that's why we're at where we're at. Chuck, we're coming up on a break. We'll have more to every man and answer coming up right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills people who encourage and pray for each other too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. 
It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Tragically, every minute, unborn babies' futures are sucked out of existence. But amid the darkness, there's a light that shines. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. Once she hears that heartbeat and sees a precious life, the majority of the time, she will choose life. When I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was, I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry a life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. Preborn equips centers nationwide to save babies' lives and souls and has rescued over 200,000 babies' lives through ultrasound. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. on this Wednesday afternoon with John Randall from Orange County, South Orange County, down by where palm trees sway in the wind. <laughs> we're glad you're with us, John. We were speaking with Chuck when we went to the break. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And Chuck, um, I, I hope that helps some. Yes, um, and I am in total agreement with you about the things you mentioned that we're seeing right now in the world. I am definitely not a preterist. Um, and uh, uh, But I have a website on the signs of heaven, and I am trying to uh, – I'm going to be writing about this this uh, passage from Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and I just don't understand exactly why this passage seems to be uh, imminent about the earth being burned up and hasting to that day if that day isn't, isn't coming for another thousand years when the heavens and the earth will be burned up. Especially since you mentioned that uh, the, everything in the sea dies and, and all this the earth is in horrible condition for various reasons. It would seem even more reasonable that that uh, God is going to burn the, the heavens up after we go through this great, uh, horrible day that's coming upon us. So uh, help me to reconcile this. Okay, well, something we have to remember. When we find something in the Bible like that, this is where cults get started. This is where people get off. They read one verse in the Bible or two verses or maybe three or four, build an entire theology upon it, and disregard the other verses that are very clear about that particular time. And so if we're going to be in balance, we're going to truly exegete from the Scripture. That means take out of the Scripture what what is really what the Bible says. 
we must look at all the verses that pertain to that. Now, we do know that Jesus said, behold, I come as a thief. My reward is with me. We understand that. What does a thief come to do? A thief comes to steal. Is he coming to steal gold and silver and uh, 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 bitcoins? No. He's coming to take what's valuable, and that's people. Because people are the only thing that's going to go from this world into the next world. Yet oftentimes, it's the least amount of attention we give is somebody else. We'll spend more time on our hobbies, on our cell phones, than we ever do talking to people. So I really believe that we have to really look at these things in context. Again, we have to be very careful in reading a verse. Uh, uh, and I, I believe personally, and John, you can please comment on this, but where it's, uh, you know, there are some things in the Bible that are immediate. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul talking about uh, that time in which we would die. Uh, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be transformed, we'll be changed, we'll be together with him. Those are absolutes. That is no time gap. Uh, in the Greek, absent the body, present with the Lord, it's boom, boom, immediate. It, it, it's worded that way in the Greek. So that the, we have to understand. But when we deal in sometimes general terms, I, I think that, that the, you know, to make a wrap of the whole world, because we know just obviously that if, if Jesus comes and takes his church and then boom, everything blows up as an example, well, where's the great white throne judgment? Where do the people that are not godly stand? Uh, um, are, are just a flash in the pan or there's no, there's no proof that these people lived and died without Christ. That's what the great white throne judgment, where the Bible says the books are open, everybody's judged according to what they've done. And so when we look at this, I, I think we have to look at all the verses that pertain to the particular topic, and most of all, and including the nation of Israel, once again in their homeland, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21. He said, Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. A few more verses, he says, and the generation that sees this will not pass away till they're all fulfilled, those things that he talked about. And so there I have a little bit better understanding, time markers, if you will, to know where we where we are at prophetically. But yes, is Jesus going to come as a thief? Yes. And I believe that starts the big wrap-up, the tribulation period, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the white throne judgment, and then this earth melts with a fervent heat. He's going to let Adams do what Adams should do, like charges repel. And in the nucleus of an atom, you have like charges by nature should repel one another, like putting a North Pole magnet against another North Pole magnet. They push against each other. They don't attract. But yet, depending on how many uh, of those are in the center of the nucleus of an atom will determine whether it's wood, hay, stubble, brass, you know, gold, whatever it might be. I believe what God's going to do is... There's an old saying, God holds it all together. He's just going to let it do by nature what it would normally do. 
we know now that we were, the, the Bible says he formed everything out of nothing. And when we really break down physical matter, we know it's just electron particles that have bound together, and this is this world that we live in. But God's just going to let it go. And I, I really believe that then this is where the new heaven and the new earth come down. It's prepared for those who love God. It's an eternal place. It's going to be a great place. And uh, John, myself, have basically committed our lives to telling people, don't believe this world and this life is all you see. There's a world coming that is far, far greater, and it's forever. Also, the punishment is too. So much better to have our sins forgiven. Hope that helps, Chuck. Yes, uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I agree with you that things are getting pretty crazy. And I see that uh, buying and selling uh, seems to be getting closer and closer to the members of my family uh, being cut off from the ability to buy and sell. And their their uh, jobs are uh, are getting close to being in jeopardy. So uh, <laughs> I'm in total agreement with you on that. You know, there, there, and the thing we have to remember, there's some stores now that won't take cash. Um, in fact, uh, you go to some stores. I, I've been, I was at uh, Home Depot and they said, are you paying with credit card or cash? I said, credit card, step right over here. Otherwise you got to go stand in line, you know, so, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when you see the, the, the mentality of, 40 years ago, people wanted cash. Now they want you to pay with credit cards. So we, we see that. John, any last thoughts? Well, I just think, you know, the whole elements melting with a fervent heat. It only makes sense when you look at uh, Revelation, just what it says. There, there's going to be a lot of things happening. You look at the increase of the judgments that come. You know, it starts out small, then it continues. You got the trumpets, you got the bowls, you got, I mean, by the end of it, there's a lot of stuff that's burned up. In fact, it says that the sun will be used to scorch people on the earth. There's going to be a lot of things burning up during the tribulation period with intensity and frequency, there's going to be a need for something new. So um, when, when you when you try to look at that as, well, that already happened, it hasn't already happened. There's no record of that already happening. It's going to happen. It only makes sense, Mike, when you read it for what it says, and it is yet in the future, not in the past. And so I think it's really important to understand that. And something you have to remember as well, we do the same thing. If you go to a cemetery, you see John Doe, there he's buried, born, you know, January 13th, uh, uh, 1936, a little line, and then died December 25th, uh, uh, 1990. Well, that little line was his life. That little line between the birth date and the death date, that little line According to what most people will look at, that little line is all his life. Now, there's a lot of time between his birth date and death date, but we represent it as a little line. And I think a lot of times we come across that in condensed form in the Bible because the rest of the Bible tells us what that little line is or tells us what happens between where Jesus said, I come as a thief and when the world actually does melt with the fervent heat, there's a lot of stuff that goes on between there. And again, to build a theology upon a, an idea or a verse without looking at all the other verses 
I think this is where we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble, and uh, we got to be very careful of that. Chuck, hope that helps. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs, okay? Thank you so much. God bless you, Chuck. Thanks for uh, thanks for the question. Keep reading. Keep keep uh, keep researching. Always good. Let's go to John, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. John, are you there? Looking for John. I'm here. If you mean the other John, I'm, oh, I'm oh. looking for the other John. John <laughs> in Reno, Nevada. I guess we we don't have John. Sam, he's not there. Uh, John, call us back or or come back to the phone, whatever. Let's go to Kay, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello, pastors. How are you? Good. How may we help? Well, I actually would like to call and uh, ask um, if you are aware of a publication of a book of a Bible. It's called the Queen James Bible. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. John, have you? I have not heard of it. Um, I, I have not. But it sounds like it is an LGBTQ um, publication, no doubt, um, changing scripture to fit their uh, thinking and agenda, I would imagine. You are absolutely right. Uh, yes, they've gone in and uh, misinterpreted or perverted some scriptures. Uh, mm-hmm. Their claim is that homosexuality was never a sin. It mm-hmm. is not a sin. And we know that that is absolutely wrong. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to just ask you if you heard about um, that publication Mm-hmm. No, everybody's trying to rewrite the Bible to suit their own belief. That's the way it works. However, the true God's Word has worn out many hammers. It's the anvil that has worn out the world. And again, God will judge the world by what the Bible says. There are no Greek manuscripts. There are no no Hebrew manuscripts in any way, shape, or form that would ever say that a gay lifestyle is acceptable to God. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. It's something that he will punish. Whether you look in Genesis in the Old Testament or whether you look at Romans in the New Testament, chapter 1, you'll find that these are the things which God will judge. Now, Romans chapter 1 is well after Jesus ascended to heaven. The early church was established. The outreach of evangelism was going on around the world. And the writer of Romans uh felt it was so important to address this particular issue because of different cultures that find themselves caught up into this, whether it be Sodom and Gomorrah or the Roman Empire or modern-day world, we find this is a real issue. Your thoughts, John? Well, I think as it relates to, as you were mentioning, Kay, just people coming up with their own translation, there is a warning uh, to those who would take from God's word. It says, if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life from the holy city, from the things which are written in his book. Revelation tells us that. And then I also would add to that, uh, Peter tells us that the word of the Lord endures forever. And there are things in the Bible you might disagree with, you might try to take out, um, but it doesn't change the truth. And God has a heart for people with same-sex attraction, those who are into homosexuality and lesbianism. Listen, 
whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, you need Christ and you can be forgiven of your sin and you need to turn from it. And, um, and there is hope for you. And I would encourage you if you're listening today and you're out there and, and you are in a relationship that you know isn't what God has for you, then you turn from it. Whether you're a heterosexual or a homosexual, either way, you need to be right with Jesus. And that starts with repentance and coming to him. God's word says what it says because he loves you, but you got to turn from sin in order that you can be forgiven and experience eternal life. That's what repentance is. That means turning and walking the other way. Now, first of all, I want to tell everybody something. And John, we always tell people this. A lot of times, we don't have a willing heart to do that. Mm. We like our sin. Mm -hmm. And there is fun in sin for a season, the Bible says. But we have to realize God knows the end from the beginning and knows down the road what really is going to satisfy your heart, a life worth living, not a life of regret. And so I would just tell anyone that what God says is true. And if you don't have a willing heart, then ask God to give you one. Ask God to give you a heart that that would would be willing to do what God wants you to do. I do not believe it's within man to live righteously. I I, I think we're all bozos on this bus. But I do believe that God changes us. You know, there's that old song, just as I am without one plea. That's right. We come to Christ just as we are. He loves us, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so that's why we want to be about our Father's business and ask God to change our hearts, because without that, I find it's very difficult to change. So, Kay, I hope that helps. Absolutely, and thank you both. God bless you. Blessings to you, and we're going to go back to John in Sparks, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hey, pastors, how are you? Good. Sorry we missed you there for a minute, but I'm glad you called back. No, no that was my fault. I couldn't get my phone off mute. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I, just have, I, just have a, I've, um, I was hoping you could clarify something. I know when you when you die, in a twinkling of an eye, you're up in heaven with the Lord. But what I'm confused about is in the Bible it says that the the dead in Christ will rise first. So how does that? I'm not sure how. Why wouldn't they be already be up there? Is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at. The bodies are in the cemetery. Your body, my body, they're all under a curse. They were cursed by sin back in the garden. Uh, we're anxiously awaiting a a new body. Now anybody that's died in Christ. Absent of the body, present with the Lord in that spiritual world, I don't believe they're lacking one thing. But when we come to rule and reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years, Jesus even showed how important it was. He said, here, Thomas, put your fingers in the holes in my hand, thrust your hand into my side. We find that this physical body is going to be necessary to rule and reign with Christ as his, his ambassadors and his a police force and all the things in God's kingdom that we're going to be doing. Um, we're not going to be sitting around in some dumb cloud strumming a harp. Oh, wow. Stay off that one. That one's Mick Jaggers. No, we're not going to be doing that. The Bible says we're going to be serving him. We're going to be ruling and reigning with him on a, in a physical world. And we're going to need a physical body. I believe God's got the DNA on any person that's ever lived on this earth. And God can resurrect a new body, not under the curse, and join our spirit back to it again. 
And then those that are alive and remain will be transformed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, and will all be caught up to be with the Lord, go to the Bema Seat Judgment, the reward seat of Christ. Then at the end of the tribulation period, we come back down with Jesus as he sets up a thousand-year reign. Your thoughts? But just, yeah, amen to that. And just to clarify for you, John, out there in uh, Nevada, listen, those, as Mike mentioned, who have died already in Christ, a believer dies, your grandmother, your brother, whoever um, dies, they immediately go to be with the Lord. They don't go into the grave. There's no soul sleep. And they're just waiting, man, I can't wait till the rapture happens so I can get out uh, from six feet under. No, 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 no. They are with the Lord right now, present time with him. We're going to be reunited with them at the rapture. That is when we see that these, you know, these glorified bodies, at least we see that they, the glorified bodies, we get our glorified body. If we, we who are alive and remain caught up, violently snatched away to be with the Lord, and we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. So they are with the Lord. Listen, the dead in Christ, listen, they do rise first. They do. They're with the Lord, but there's going to be that transformation that happens in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And that's why Paul said, man, comfort one another with these words. I don't listen, folks. There is not one problem that you have today that the rapture of the church could not solve. Can I get an amen from Nevada? Right? I mean, there's nothing that, that's, it's good, right? So I hope that helps you, John. Yeah, John. That does. I, I, I hope appreciate that does. it. I appreciate what you guys do. And in the Bible, when you come across, like in the book of Acts, and they stoned Stephen and he fell asleep, that is speaking of his physical body. And the graveyards are full of them right now. So we have to realize that your body goes into the dirt. However, again, absent the body present with the Lord, we find in the Old Testament, Elijah prayed for a little boy. And the Bible says his spirit returned to him. Then we find in the book of, of Luke, Jarius, uh, this rich guy came to Jesus, said, my daughter is grievously ill. Will you come and pray for her? And while he's talking, the servants came and said, don't trouble a master. Your daughter has died. And Jesus goes, let's go anyway. And he went, he put people out, and we we know that he said, daughter, arise. And here's what's so important, and I wish the cults would read this. It says, her spirit returned to her. It does not say Old Testament or New, their spirit woke up within them. It says their spirit had gone somewhere else. But it says her spirit returned to her, and he said, give her something to eat. So uh, again, we have to understand, again, when the Bible uses the word sleep or death, it is a different type of death than maybe what we would see in an animal or something along that lines. Because again, those other verses that bring the balance that they won't read, absent from the body, present with the Lord, her spirit returned to her, Jesus speaking about the rich man and Lazarus, nobody was laying around soul sleeping. That's all just bogus teaching. So again, it's there for you. And John, I hope that answers it. Stay on line, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Okay. Uh, hey, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. God bless you. Thanks for calling back. Let's go to Alexa, Utah. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. How are you? Good. How may we help? Um, so I'm actually calling in for my mom. She's been listening to you for quite some time, but she's a driver, and um, so she can't call in. Um, so she's wondering what she 
can do, so she married a non-believer mm. and she's like battling with that now and she's just curious like like what can she do like John your thoughts yeah, it's a tough thing. You know, when you, you make that decision, there's reasons why God, uh, gives us warnings, uh, concerning marrying the right person. Don't want to marry a non-believer because you're, there's a huge missing element and it's Jesus. But I would say the situation that your mom's in, I would immediately refer her to first Peter chapter three. And there Peter declares, wives be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, like in this case with your mom, that even without a word, they may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And don't let your adornment be merely outward and arranging of the hair, fine apparel, etc. But let it be the hidden person of the heart, the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet, quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Here's what you have, um, Alexia. You've got your mom. She has a ministry and it's her husband. And I would say if your husband is pleased to dwell with you, and you have a relationship there and there's, you know, you're together. And so now love him, even without a word. Sometimes wives want to, you know, married to non-believers, they want to preach at them and preach at them. And it doesn't always work. And sometimes they get turned off by it. I'm not saying you shouldn't share what's on your heart, but at the same time, pray for him. Pray for him. Be a godly wife. Do your part. Pray that God would get a hold of him. And remember who you're praying to. This is the God who can do anything. Not, he's not hindered by anything. God can get a hold of her husband and he has ways and he loves us enough to do it. So minister to him with that conduct that is godly, love him, pray for him. And, uh, and who knows God can bring him to faith. I've seen over and over where women have just lived their lives for Christ and their husbands came uh, to know Jesus because they saw Jesus in their spouse. Yeah. Raul Reese is uh, one we have on here on, on CSN follows the program here. Uh, in a little bit, and uh, his wife was a Christian. He wasn't, and by her conduct, he came to the Lord and now is a pastor of one of the largest churches in Southern California. So you never know how God's going to work this out, Alexa, but I will send you some books, some DVDs that perhaps she gets a pizza, say, hey, honey, I want you to watch this God of Wonders. Tell me what's wrong with it. Not watch this, see how stupid you are, but no, you give them the video and say, hey, tell me what's wrong with this. And you're going to see somebody objectively look at it and then they have to come, they have to come to some conclusions. Also, Evolution versus God, the movie Jesus, a little book called Time to Grow and 101 Last Days Prophecies. I'll set, get that out to you as kind of a, reach out to your, let's pray very quickly for him. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would pray for Alexis, uh, a stepfather, bind Satan from his eyes, from his thoughts, that he would see the great opportunity that you offer him to have his sins forgiven and that he can live with you forever and have a life worth living here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll see what God does. Alexis, stay online. We'll get you fixed up, okay? Thank you. And Judy and Bob, please, I, I really want to answer those questions. If you'll call back first thing tomorrow, we'll put you on first thing. 
Uh, John, thank you so much for being on today. We look forward to your program each and every uh, weekday afternoon, 2 o'clock Pacific time. And so until then, keep looking up our redemption. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 